Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. This is Mondo Jazz on Radio Free Brooklyn. Something else from somewhere else.
Welcome to Mondo Jazz, the Radio Free Brooklyn program dedicated to international jazz, which uh, once again comes to you after another great episode of uh, the Jerry Curl Chronicles that week after week keeps bringing great music. This was the same today. So thank you, Mike Joseph, for that. And I'm very excited today because uh, this week is going to be uh, hosting one of the most beautiful concerts of the summer, I'm pretty sure. This is going to be on Friday the 27th at 7.30 at uh, Lincoln Center Outdoors. And this is a special night, uh, which is a tribute to the music of Nino Rota, organized and uh, produced by Hal Wilner. And that is the music that came out of a CD that uh, was released in 1981, which is one of my all-time favorite CDs. So I'm very excited that I will be focusing the entire show around this upcoming concert as well as that CD. The opening track of today was, in fact, Amarcord, the title track, and it was performed by Jackie Bayard on a solo piano. Amarcord Nino Rota is a striking tribute uh, to the composer who scored the movies of uh, Federico Fellini, and many other directors, including uh, Francis Ford Coppola or Luchino Visconti. That album uh, was produced by Hal Wilner uh, and sounds today as fresh as it was when it was first uh, released uh, 37 years ago. That album also set the tone for uh, Hal Wilner's uh, feature tribute projects, which focused on the music of, uh, among others, Thelonious Monk, uh, Kurt Weill, Harry Smith, Charles Mingus, and then other projects about Randy Newman, Bill Withers, Doc Pomus, Lou Reed, and the list goes on forever. Each one of them totally amazing. And uh, since Amarcord Nino Rota is about to be performed, as I mentioned, at the Lincoln Center Out of Doors Festival, we reached uh, Hal Wilner while he was busy at work, and we tried to take a look back at that seminal album. And we started our conversation from his uh, teenage admiration for the movies of uh, Federico Fellini and the soundtracks of uh, Nino Rota. The introduction to this music was not normal. In the beginning of high school, my crowd was basically people that were into outrageous music and films. And a dear friend took me to see a double feature of Felicia Tiracon and The Clown and sat through it twice. I mean, it was just a perfect avant-garde movie for the time. Then uh, I acquired the soundtrack album, which was full of field music, the monkey chants, but also that beautiful melody that is called Chitoni's theme, which is the main theme of the film. soundtrack records they're amazing i mean one puts them on and it changes the whole environment of the room there's a magic there that captures the time and place you know it's like when i went to rome the first time i mean it was exactly and that was the soundtrack of it it must have been incredible at the time those movies were made from the original themes to the melodies that were borrowed from you know stormy weather to la cucaracha and all that stuff This was uh, just an initial part of our conversation with Hal Wilner that uh, we have uh, organized in advance of uh, the uh, concert that is going to be performed this coming Friday at Lincoln Center. We have to remember that it's going to be, once again, as usual, whenever 
we have Hal Wilner producing an event, an astounding cast of uh, uh, players. These are, among others, uh, people like Stephen Bernstein, Gary Lucas, Doug Wieselman, Marty Ehrlich, Giancarlo Vulcano, Karen Mantler, Kenny Wallison, Craig Handy, uh, Steve Weisberg, Mike Gibbs, the great uh, uh, ranger and uh, band, epic band uh, director, Lenny Pickett, uh, Ali Brueggemann, Teddy Thompson, Jennifer Charles. So this is definitely going to be an amazing night. And uh, the thing is that, uh, yes, it's very easy to invite uh, a lot of uh, great players, but it's not always great, easy to uh, come up with uh, a beautiful outcome. Creating an organic whole out of a very eclectic mix takes a special talent. And uh, matching gifted artists with strong personalities while encouraging them to explore beyond their comfort zones requires a clear vision and a capacity to bond, relate, and persuade. And over the past four decades, uh, producer Hal Wilner has proven over and over again to have these skills and in abundance. What is perhaps uh, most remarkable is that uh, all of this was already on full display when, uh, back in 1981, uh, he released Emma Kord Nino Rota at the age of uh, 24. I think a lot of people will tell you that I was a beginner. I didn't totally know what I was doing as a soul producer. So it's a record completely made by instinct and not experience. There's something to be said for that. In a weird way, there's more what I call mistakes on that record than my other ones. But there's something about it that, uh, you know, I could never capture again. The initial concept was one artist in a sketch of the Spain type of way. Porgy and Bess, you know, those Gil Evans Miles records. Then Nino Rota died. All of a sudden, I heard it as a multi artist, you know, view of his work, interpretations. I was going out a lot, and I thought, wow, I just imagined Carl Blay doing eight and a half. And I heard George Adam. I was seeing Jackie Bard a lot.
listening to Mondo Jazz on Radio Free Brooklyn and uh, what we just heard uh, was another tune from Amarcord Nino Rota, the 1981 tribute album produced by Hal Wilner. The theme uh, was the mo- from the movie La Strada by Federico Fellini and was written by Nino Rota to whom the entire album is dedicated. Earlier in the interview, the producer of the album, Hal Wilner, recalled how when he worked on it back in 1981, he was pretty much at the beginning of his career. The ambitious uh, Nino Rota tribute album uh, was his very first uh, solo production. Uh, this was uh, only the fourth record that he'd worked on uh, after three records uh, that uh, he co-produced or uh, worked on as associate producer for the legendary Joel Dorn. These were uh, two albums by Leon Redbone uh, that came out in 1977 and 1978. They were entitled Double Time and Champagne Charlie, as well as on the sophomore release of the Neville Brothers entitled Feel on the Bayou, and that came out in 1981. But sometimes uh, being a beginner is perhaps like a blessing, especially when you're trying to undertake uh, something which is uh, pretty ambitious, probably something that other more experienced uh, people would uh, not engage in. This is pretty much what happened, especially in this case when uh, he needed to meet with the Federico Fellini to obtain his blessing. Out of legal purposes, I found Fellini's address and I did a registered letter to him talking about the project, which had to be signed for. So legally, that was protecting myself, but I did tell them about it. What I didn't expect was a letter back from him directly being excited about the project and giving me his phone number to call when I'm overseas. So I made a point to go overseas. I mean, I was going over to record Steve Lacey, and I found myself at Fellini's office, him answering the door. I was 24 years old. I mean, it was like meeting Charles Dickens. I could hardly speak. And he brought me in, was quite nice. Uh, At the time, he did not have audio equipment in his office because he said that he did never listen to music when it didn't relate to something he was working on. I had to put a Walkman on it, which had just come out. Uh, I noticed these Laurel and Hardy books, and I'm a huge Laurel and Hardy fan, so I started imitating Stan Laurel, and he started imitating Stan Laurel. And then we, so we related on that level. We started doing Laurel and Hardy together. 
I'm not sure he understood all the uh, interpretations when he heard Am- Alistrade. He said, well, that was written for trumpet. So it would be that. He loved, of course, the Turrican in eight and a half. I think, once again, I didn't think he listened to music like that. I presume he always said he never watched his old film. So probably was a little strange for him. But then, you know, so it was all fine. He took me out to lunch with these actresses and then drove me around Rome and then said, here, I leave you to your destiny somewhere in the middle of nowhere. So that gave uh, permission to do it.
What a blast. That was the spectacular medley taken from Amar Cornino Rota, the tribute album produced by Hal Wilner in 1981 in honor of Nino Rota, the composer for the soundtracks for the movies of uh, Fellini. This medley contained uh, some of the most beautiful themes taken from uh, various movies uh, like The White Sheik, Evatiloni, Il Bidone and The Knights of Cabiria. One of the uh, characteristics of uh, Hal Wilner's production is the very eclectic casts that uh, he invites to perform, as we mentioned earlier, often matching musicians that had not played together. In this case, the medley was meant to revolve around the saxophone of George Adams and uh, the bass of Ron Carter. At the last moment, uh, the arranger for this piece, Bill Fisher, brought on board two young musicians that had just moved from New Orleans to New York City, the brothers Bramford and Winton Marsalis. This was their one of the very first recordings that they ever did in New York, and uh, at that time they had not even yet signed for Columbia Records. So these are the kind of like um, discoveries that very often one can find listening to the productions of uh, Hal Wilner. The other remarkable members of this uh, septet were Kenny Barron on piano and uh, Wilbert Fletcher on drums. Listening to great soundtracks uh, immediately evokes uh, memories and images and atmospheres from the movies that they were associated with. However, only very few soundtracks work well without the film they were meant to accompany. And in our interview with Hal Wilner, we asked him why Nino Rota compositions work so well, even without images. These obviously don't score to action. They create the framework and the atmosphere for what's going on, whether it be the mysteriousness of Julia the Spirits or the circus atmosphere of the clowns or the white chic, the beauty of Mostrada and Vitaloni. You know, it, and it all sounds what one would think of Italian yet with all the American influences. Thank you. 
I do have an extra big interest in soundtrack records. Strangely enough, around the time, a little bit after I started recording this record, I had gotten a job at Saturday Night Live, which it required me to put soundtrack music to sketches. And I still do that. So I acquired a rather large collection of soundtrack records, which I used to listen to as real records. It was a golden age. I mean, for years, even before I was born. But that was probably the last era of that sort of relationships between directors and composers. And pre the era where most films started and now are mostly, it seems, scored with songs that people already know.
and the magic continues. This is uh, more music from Amarcord Nino Rota, the tribute album uh, to the music of Nino Rota produced by Hal Wilner. Today we're focusing the entire show, the entire two hours uh, to this album. Before the break, uh, we heard two more tracks from this album. Uh, first was a vibraphonist uh, Dave Samuels interpreting the themes from uh, La Dolce Vita and uh, Juliet of the Spirits. After that, uh, we heard uh, La Dolce Vita Suite, which uh, involved a very large number of uh, players. And in fact, the entire album probably featuring about 40 players or so. And on this uh, La Dolce Vita Suite, uh, we started uh, with um, uh, French horn player Sharon Freeman, and then a large ensemble featuring, among others, uh, Brazilian trumpet player Claudio Roditi, and then uh, uh, Henry Threadgill, together with uh, Fred Hopkins, Warren Smith, and the angelic voice that uh, you heard was uh, that of uh, Debbie Harry. Amar Chord, as I mentioned, is going to be performed on Friday at uh, 7.30, and this is why we've taken this opportunity to look back at this album and also interview Hal Wilner in an album in which every single tune is uh, distinctive and beautiful on its own merits. It is very hard to choose a favorite. But for me, perhaps the two highlights uh, in this amazing album are the mesmerizing arrangement of Eight and a Half by Carla Bley and the otherworldly rendition of Juliet of the Spirits by Bill Frizzell. And indeed, uh, one of the countless virtues of uh, this project uh, was that it gave uh, Hal Wilner the opportunity to start uh, collaborations which would continue for years to come with these two masters. Bill Frizzell, for which this album uh, represented the first time he did a solo recording, and the great composer, arranger, and band leader, Carla Bley. You're talking about a few years after Escalator Over the Hill and live in Europe and all. I mean, she was, she was it for me. When I started raising money for the project, I just knew she would do eight and a half. And I claimed I had her before I had her. <laughs> and then Gary Window introduced me. And uh, she took the gig. You know, it was a gig initially. We, how we became friends and incorporated her on the other projects. Oh, 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 
was built for solo recording as a solo artist because had this is one where some of the melodies had not been represented that I needed. I had no budget left, and I asked D Sharp, the drummer, if he knew of any solo guitarists. He said, there's a guy who just graduated Berkeley. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. So it's Frizzell just moved to New York. He sent me a t- you know, this is from Bill. He told me when he did that session, he rehearsed it for like a few months. I mean, which <laughs> is an amazing thing. So that probably gives it a certain kind of thing.
This is uh, Mondo Jazz on uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. Before getting into a little summary of what we just heard, I just want to remind you of a few things that you can do if you go on our website, which is uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. There you can find our apps that allow you to follow us wherever you want, uh, through your phone or a tablet. If you do have an iPhone, uh, then the URL is uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone. If you have an Android, uh, well, then it's uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. On our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter, which uh, we send out uh, once a week, and so it will not uh, spam your inbox. And the URL for that uh, sign-up is uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Let me also remind you that, uh, and this is a little known fact, uh, if you are a frequent user of Amazon, Amazon.com allows you to select a non-profit organization to which a portion of your purchases is going to be donated. And uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is uh, one of them. Every uh, little support that we can get uh, allows us to cover the expenses to continue our programming. During this uh, set, besides the interview with Hal Wilner, we also played a couple more tracks from that album. And they were the rendition of Eight and a Half by the Carla Bley Band and then uh, Juliet of the Spirits by Bill Frizzell. It was 1981, and that was the first solo recording by Frizzell, who would then uh, return from time to time to this formula, most recently this year with a wonderful album entitled Music Is, to which we dedicated an earlier episode of Mondo Jazz. Producing a tribute album poses many challenges, and one of these is to achieve a balance between staying close to the originals so that they can remain recognizable and at the same time having a free interpretation or reinterpretation which gives a special character to the tribute. So we asked Hal Wilner what was his approach in this regard. Well, it was cast by uh, the, the personnel, the people that I called to be on it, were all brilliant interpretative artists and were told to be themselves and there was a reason they were given a melody or a series of melodies because something in them reminded me of their work and I feel they could do something with it. I mean, the melodies are the melodies. You know, we knew we couldn't capture the uh, time capsule feeling, but it just made sense in every artist picked. Uh, I mean, some weren't sure Jackie Byrd and Muhal didn't quite get what I called them, but, but they did fall in love with the melodies. The melodies are fantastic. I mean, of course, people, I see someone like that took more liberties, but I expected him to. Thank uh-huh. you. 
This was uh, Steve Lazy playing uh, Roma from Amarcord de Nino Rota, which is the album uh, that is at the center of today's episode of uh, Mondo Jazz. I think that by now the depth and range of this uh, tribute album has become clear to those uh, of you who may have uh, not had the opportunity to listen to it before. And it is not hard to understand, therefore, that uh, with such an accomplishment on his uh, resume, Hal Wilner established himself with this album as a reference producer. His work uh, later led him to extremely varied and diversified collaborations, ranging from working on the soundtracks of Robert Altman movies to poetry recordings uh, with William Burroughs and Alan Ginsberg, albums by musicians ranging from Lucinda Williams to Lou Reed. One common thread through his career, however, has been curating countless uh, tribute albums or concerts or projects, paying a homage to Thelonious Monk, uh, Kurt Vile, vintage uh, Disney movies, Charles Mingus, Harry Smith, and uh, many, many other musicians. And the accomplishments of his early homages spawned uh, what would become a real craze for tribute albums by record labels that were ready to jump on the bandwagon of the celebrity celebration while missing countless artistic opportunities and never achieving holes greater than their parts, like Wilner did every time he let the imagination of his ambitious inner child roam wild. As it turns out, uh, his gift for organic uh, multi-artist projects comes from his early influences. I'm 62, and I grew up where the White Album came out when I was in high school. Now, there was a variety show on a record. Various other records were like that. Uh, even you can go into the Sketches of Spain type of record. And also, variety shows on television were a very big influence. At that particular time, comedy and music were brothers in arms. They often came together in concert in the era of Monza Dogman and the Mothers of Invention. It was counterculture to buy George Carlin records or research Lenny Bruce. When I started making records, it seemed like that kind of thing had gone away. So that was one of the attempts to make those kind of records and to do that and needed all different artists. It was a big thing for me to put artists on those records that were not known worldwide. You could see their very early recordings for artists like Bill Frizzell and John Zorn, people like that. Along the pines, Chris Spedding, people that weren't household names. That was important to balance it out because sometimes you get the best tracks from artists like that because it means something else and you don't have expectations so that's what i mean i try i'm trying to make it like a cohesive variety show with uh that was curated from one mind and recorded usually with the same engineer and mixed by the same person for sound of course i understand again that was naive of me to think that people would understand that but a lot did enough did that i kept being able to do them
Zen monk died, and I went to a monk tribute show and saw Oscar Peterson on stage, which I didn't understand because I don't remember him being very kind to monk's music. I was wondering where NRBQ was, where Donald Fagan was. A lot of monk songs, if you look at the compositions, they're sort of like pop songs. I saw his influence reaching into rock and roll and wonder why they didn't incorporate that with the jazz artist. He got her a hat She looked 
Originally, a lot of them for charities started coming in. So after a while, I wanted to do something that I thought might be more fun. So we did the Disney record. The Disney record's the craziest because it's all my obsessions in one record. Going back to my childhood and Ken Nordine and Betty Betty Carter next to Ringo, Starney Masumak. Was, I mean, that's probably the craziest cast, but it works for that type of music. Thank you. 
believe it or not, like I was asked to do them. And I would say, well, you know how the only way I know how to make these things. <laughs> and uh, so I made a handful, but the Mingus was the last one that uh, was my own concept from the beginning. And that was the last bit of our interview with uh, Hal Wilner. We just heard a long set in which Hal Wilner recounted the many tribute uh, projects that he produced after the success of Amar Kord Nino Rota. In between segments of the interview, we also heard a number of tracks. Humboom, which is a poem by Allen Ginsberg, accompanied by Bill Frizzell, Mark Ribot, Gary Window, Steve Swallow and Mark Bingham, from uh, the CD dedicated to the poetry of Allen Ginsberg uh, entitled The Lion for Real, that uh, Hal Wilner released in 97. Uh, after that, uh, we heard uh, Belu Bolivar Baluzar, the most complicated title ever, interpreted by Was Not Was from the 1984 tribute to Thelonious Monk entitled That's the Way I Feel Now. And that was followed by Marianne Faithful singing the ballad of The Soldier's Wife, a composition by Kurt Weil from Hal Wilner's 1985 tribute to Kurt Weil entitled Lost in the Stars. And then finally was the turn of uh, Sun Ra, and Pink Elephants on Parade from 1988 album Stay Awake, various interpretations of music from vintage Disney films. And just before the break, we heard Hal Wilner talk about his Charles Mingus tribute, A Weird Nightmare, Meditations on Mingus, and perhaps the best way to close today's episode of Mondo Jazz is by playing back-to-back-to-back a number of tracks from that single album, just to give you an example of how many colors and uh, continuous changes of directions Al Wilner spreads over his albums. You'll hear uh, how much ground he can cover and how seamlessly seamlessly he manages to do that uh, with the interventions of musicians as diverse as Bill Frizzell or rapper Chuck D from Public Enemy, Don Byron, Art Baron, uh, Greg Cohen and uh, Harry Rollins. And at the very end of this uh, somewhat schizophrenic journey, you realize that it all made sense and uh, you wonder why nobody had done this uh, so well before. Before saying goodbye, let me recall that uh, if you want to see for yourself how Hal Wilner projects sound live, you should not miss the chance to be at uh, Lincoln Center for their Out of Doors Festival on Friday 27th at 7.30 p.m. for Hal Wilner's tribute to the music of Nino Rota, to whom the majority of today's episode of Mondo Jazz was dedicated. Today's episode of Mondo Jazz will be archived with all past episodes on Mixcloud, Podomatic.com, iTunes, as well as on AllAboutJazz.com, the greatest online jazz resource. Bassist and composer Ben Allison wrote and performed our theme featuring Ted Nash on flute and the voiceover of Payang Threadgill. If you like what you heard, you should just uh, stay tuned and continue listening to the other great programs of our station. And right after this, at midnight, stay tuned for Rob Pritchard's uh, Bushwick Garage, your ultimate source for punk and psychedelic rock. We'll be back next week on Wednesday with an episode devoted to jazz poetry and uh, spoken word, a perfect segue to today's episode of uh, music of Hal Wilner, as he has uh, strong connections with uh, the poetry and the literature scene and many of his projects uh, see interactions between musicians and uh, writers and poets. So that is also going to be lots of fun. But here is now Work Song from uh, the album entitled Weird Nightmare Meditations on Mingus, which features among others Bill Frizzell, Don Byron, Greg Cohen and Francis Tam. Thank you for listening and good night.
This year it's down, it's up, it's right, it's tight. And finally I gotta say, gee, it's beautiful. You know, we were all saying that shit years ago. In fact, we haven't said groovy since 1939. Groovy was really out. Groovy, man. Groovy. That went out with a coconut grove. That's where it came from. When the coconut grove in L.A. burnt down, they stopped saying groovy. Because everyone used to say we would groove the coconut grove. The milkman's matinee guy. Who was he? First jazz disc jockey in California. How can I forget his name? He's as big as Symphony City. He's the one who started groove. Well, he didn't start it. But he heard the niggers talking about being grooved by a broad, so he used to advertise the coconut grove by saying, everybody's groovy at the coconut grove. I remember that from way back.
the bass player from the house band was the only one to escape from the coconut grove. It was a terrible thing, hundreds of people trapped inside. But this bass player got out of that place, man. He made a hole through the brick wall. Later he told me everybody was going for the doors. So I looked around me, took up my bass, and ran boom right through that wall. He said he could not believe it, but he made a door. Got some people out through that wall and got his bass out too, baby. Like that, believe that, got the roll just like that, we roll it on. 